Hey everybody, it's uh, AJ, and it's the Unnecessary Podcast. We tried things a little bit differently this time with uh, the technical audio, and we may have encountered a technical difficulty or two, so have a lot of fun listening to the movies that we talk about and the memories we talk about and the Threestable that co-host Lee runs in Pennsylvania, the music festival. So hear all that good stuff, but know there's just a bit of technical difficulties, maybe a, a cutout or two, but hey, have a great time. All right. The Unnecessary Podcast. All right. This is AJ. Hey, everybody. And Lee's here, too. Hey, everybody. (laughs) The Unnecessary Podcast is back. After a semi-long hiatus. A pretty long hiatus. You had a a little something called the Threestable going on that you were running. Yeah, it feels like it was so long ago, but it was really only like a month. How many people did but you yeah, have to uh, go, go around? We, uh, I would say the final count was probably around 450, between 450 and 500. So uh, it was uh, it was a huge success. It was a great time. Had a lot of people. the the uh, The campground isn't that big. It's probably only if we shoved as many people as we could into there with no cars, you could probably hold a couple thousand people, but with everybody driving cars, we could probably, because we almost sold out. Um, we had to close the gate at one point for like 45 minutes because we could not fit any more cars in. Wow. So if we, uh, yeah, so maybe if we can do that a little more uh, efficiently next time with the parking, we can fit like 600 people in. That would be the goal probably. Uh, for those listening who don't know, Lee runs an orgy uh, three times a year and uh the <laughs> No, it's uh, the music <laughs> festival, obviously. That's um, the 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 world renowned music. It's more of like the the indie kind of like the critics' choice music festival. Like people, people, the, the the regular people know Coachella, but like those in the know know the festival. That's what I say. Uh, someone actually told Anthony that the festival is the last pure festival in Pennsylvania. Um, so I don't know exactly what that means, but Ooh, the other ones have definitely gotten a Yeah, dude. It's definitely a, a little bit more personal than any of the other festivals that I've been to, mainly because the grounds are – you could walk from one end of the grounds to the other in probably two minutes in, like, a like a steady walk. Um, so it's not huge, but it's big enough to fit, you know, that many people. Yeah, it's it's um, it's intimate, but, but big enough where you feel like you're a part of something big sounds like and and not i'm sure what this guy's referring to is it's not corporate it's like really a community driven kind of thing yeah it's really all word of mouth and uh facebook is huge we do most of our advertising on facebook so uh glad that's free uh you can pay for sponsored ads on facebook but i feel like unless you're dumping like over a hundred dollars into them you're not really going to see too much return on that so we just did it Mm -hmm. you know word of mouth share on Facebook, invite people to the group, tell people about it, shows in person. And that's worked out pretty well. Um, but again, we're not, we're not trying to make, you know, ridiculous profit margins off people. We're just, we're trying to charge enough that we can have every, have all the bands that we want to have, have the facilities that we want to have. Um, 
make enough money to be able to put it into the next three stavols so we're not starting out from zero every time. Hmm. Um, and kind of just keep snowballing that, and that's been working out really well. A lot of other festivals in the area charge over $100 at the gate, um, sometimes $125, $130, um, and we're just 60 bucks. And it's uh, the earliest pre-sale we did was $45. So, I mean, that's pretty cheap for three days of six. Yeah, yeah that's insane. Um, how much planning do you do for the festival versus planning for your wedding? <laughs> much more planning for the festival, um, but I would say Angel does much more planning for the wedding. <laughs> yeah, that that sounds about right. I could have yeah. guessed that. You got a good a good thing going there for yourself. Yeah, so it's a uh, <laughs> it's a nice uh, tag team tag team uh, events going on over here. Yeah, seriously. Um, and so is this year two or year three of the three stable and, and you're, are you doing three a year now? Um, we're, we're just sticking to two a year right now um, because there's so many other festivals. Um, you know, we don't want to monopolize anything or even, you know, have to compete with people who have been doing it for a while. And they're just like, come on, man, you're just, you're taking 25% of our business away. And like, yeah, you're right. So let's uh, try to cooperate as much as we can with other festivals. Um, but obviously there's always going to be some overlap because there's only so many weekends in the summer. Um, are there only so many? There, there are. Uh, hmm. I hear you. So that's the, that's the bottleneck. I'll now. have to check on that, but, yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> that sounds right. You never know these So things. is my voice... Is my voice coming in clear on this uh, air traffic controller headset I got here? You said you're coming in. You're coming in loud and loud and clear. You got to check your check your six. Uh, Shirley, don't call me Shirley. I was thinking of all the <laughs> uh, the airplane movies. Hey, speaking of movies, have you seen any movies lately, sir? Um, I just watched uh, Coco, the Pixar movie. Have you seen that? No, and I love Pixar movies, um, so I can't believe I, I haven't seen this one yet. But I, I'm looking forward to it, I guess. But yeah, you liked it. Yeah, it's on. It, it is on Netflix. I highly recommend it. It was very good. Um, it's about, I mean, I'm a little biased because it's about a kid who wants to be a musician. Um, but it's it's all based around Mexico. Uh, Mexico's the Day of the Dead, Dia de los Muertos, um, and it's basically is the movie is about explaining death to kids. Uh, through music and like myths and stuff like that, but it was really good. I highly recommend it. Nice. Um, I feel the same yeah. way about Christianity. Is that with uh, the guy who was in that war movie, uh, G uh, Garfield? Andrew Garfield, is his name? No, I'm Andrew Garfield. Yeah, Andrew Garfield. Yeah, yeah. Is that him? In what movie? In Christianity. Uh, I don't know uh, that this is a movie. I'm just referring to the religion. Oh. <laughs> I'm just saying that the Christian religion to me is a way of explaining death to children. That was my joke. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, I, yeah, I thought it was you were talking about a movie, but um, it is kind of all like a movie. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, whenever I have to explain <laughs> the jokes, you know that's a bad sign. That's all right. I still haven't even finished my coffee yet. Mm -hmm. 
I, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to Coco. Obviously, it's a gross, probably half a billion or whatever these movies do these days with the international markets. Yeah, Pixar um, has a pretty good track record with their movies. I was telling Eva, um, unrelated to Disney, I suppose, although this might be a Disney uh, holding as of now, um, I, I'm really, I'm really looking forward to seeing the original Jurassic Park again. Twenty-five years. It's been. Oh yeah, yeah. I haven't, I haven't seen it in quite some time. Yeah, I think that um, without that movie, Jeff Goldblum would be kind of unknown to our generation, or he'd be in just a completely different context. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, when did that movie come out? Like '96, '97, somewhere in there. It actually came out in '94, I think. Did it really? The first one? Yeah, I think it's the 25-year anniversary. Like, so it might be '93. Oh. Um, yeah. But uh, Jeff Goldblum was kind of cool and nerdy, obviously, and weird and and eccentric. But like, I never watched The Fly as a kid, which is what people who were alive in the '70s would know him for. Um, yeah, very strange so, movie. Yeah, it's a, yes, a really good movie, and and um, apparently about like the AIDS crisis, um, like a, the idea of like a person kind of disintegrating, falling apart. Um, I have to watch but, it again. I haven't seen it in all. So. Yes, um, and uh, so our generation would have never known him for anything, and so that kind of gave his career new life and gave him a legacy. Um, and then also I was listening to a podcast about Jurassic Park and they mentioned incredibly briefly that there's this whole, you know, subreddit, um, sort of theory that Jurassic Park is an entire feminist, um, commentary because all the dinosaurs are female and like when the males are introduced, that's like when shit goes wrong. Um, and, and, um, there's like the scene in the helicopter uh, when they're getting ready to land, I think it is. Jeff Goldblum's character, I believe it is, goes to buckle his seatbelt and he grabs two females and like puts them together. Um, which, even if it's not a feminist oh, movie like okay. that, just the two females going together, I think is an incredibly clever um, reference to the fact that they're all female yeah, dinosaurs. Like really, very hidden, very hidden in there. Yes. Indeed. That's crazy. Um, it just blew my mind. Uh, he was also in uh, Independence Day, of course. Oh, fucking A. I loved it. Yeah, yeah, those two movies. I mean, and and really, is it the same character? I don't remember what he... What? It, yeah, yeah, well, no, um, he, 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 no, he was nervous journalist, right? Yeah, he was a little bit more masculine in Jurassic Park, like, with, like, the open shirt and, like, all that stuff. <laughs> Dude, that fucking open shirt. Where like half the movie, I feel like he's like splayed out. Um, I'm doing it right now in my room. Yeah, like, he's like, yeah, I know exactly the scene you're talking about. And, shirt's open, yep. and, he's like, and he's like all sweaty. I'm pretty sure that's like a meme now, and if not, we need to meme the shit out of that. Absolutely. And like, there needs to be t-shirts, etc. <laughs> I mean, if I was him, looking back now, being like like in the 60s or whatever, I'd be like, I'm glad I had my shirt open. I don't regret it. 
Oh, no, no regrets. I completely no regrets. agree. No. Um, uh, what, uh, who's, uh, 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 do you like horror movies? Oh, yeah. Um, do you like seeing them in the theater? Do you like seeing them in, oh, yeah, I remember you being a horror movie kind of guy. Um, I'm, I'll, watch any, I'll watch any movie that's entertaining. Right. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good mantra. Um, yeah. I, so I heard that, this movie Hereditary was really good. They've got like a 90 or 90 plus percent on Rotten Tomatoes. And I'm actually, I usually like ones that are reviewed well by critics on there. Um, is this a Netflix so I, movie? No, no, this is in theaters. And okay. people, people are making a lot of comparisons to The Shining. And I saw it, and I do see the comparisons. Um, but... I don't think I understood the movie. Like, dude, it's supposed to be this good movie, and I, I, I don't know. Let me, can I, let me describe my movie-going experience, if you don't mind. Let me, let me paint okay. some theater, theater of the mind. Um, paint it. So, there's, there's a obviously a number of theaters around here I can go to in Denver. Um, I have Movie Pass, which I've talked about on here before, so I have access to like 80% of the theaters for a free movie ticket every day. Um, so it's a Monday, and I'm like, I'm, Eva's got to go to the gym. I'm going to skedaddle out to a movie for the evening, and I'm going to see the scary movie because Eva doesn't like scary stuff. And I'm going to go um, drive a little bit out of my way, like 20 to 25 minutes, uh, to the place that gives free popcorn, free unlimited popcorn, Mr. Fishman, and free oh, soda. Man. So I'm like, ah, it's a cheat day. I'm going to load up on free things food. that will kill me. Yeah. So um so I'm loading up, I get in the theater and there you know it's it's mostly like like high schoolers, maybe college kids, but probably high school kids that are there. It's like the suburbs. And um you know there's there's some giggling, some chicks are screaming at some of the the parts that are a little suspenseful which we found funny. But I'm just watching I'm, I went alone. Um and like 45 minutes go by, an hour go by. I'm looking at my phone. I'm like, this movie's really slow. Like, no, it hasn't really, nothing really scary. It's not like there's been two brief, scary little, you know, ah, kind of things, you know. But no, yeah. no real, and I'm still confused as to where the story's going. Um, and then it just ended. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> um, now, some weird shit happened. Tons of weird shit happened, and I think... I'm I'm I consider myself an intellectual. And I'm like a, a a movie buff. I like Kubrick movies because you can read and study them afterwards. Um, and maybe this is one of the, I'm I, I'm assuming this has to be one of those movies because I'm assuming this all went completely over my head and I was too high and I need to read or read it or about it or see it again because I even read a full synopsis before going to the movies and I didn't understand the synopsis. And I was like, I guess I need to see that. But anyway, yeah. it's well, confusing as shit. Well, when I was a kid, if I didn't... It... Lee, I lost you there. The suspense is killing me. Your mic went out. Well, we lost Leland momentarily. 
he was talking about what he loved about movies as a kid. Um, when I was 13 years old, for my birthday, I went to uh, – I, I, for my birthday party, I had everybody pile into a movie theater to see the new Star Wars, which is to say the old Star Wars. I, I saw A New Hope, A New Hope, and um, and and I honestly don't even like Star Wars that much. Very weird. Anyway, let's continue this in just a minute when I get Lee back on the line. We're back with Lee. Uh, Lee, you were saying that you were going to movies as a kid, and uh, where were you going with that little nugget? Yeah, so before I was sucked into that void, uh, I was just saying that when I was a kid and I would see a movie that I didn't like understand or like, or I'd play a video game that like I just wasn't into, I would think that there was something wrong with me and that I just didn't get it. And that, uh, like, everything that was made was inherently good, and it was just up to me to, like, get to the level of being able to appreciate it. Kind of weird. Huh. That is interesting, but that's, I think, a good way to try and understand the world. Like, do your darndest to make sense of it all. And if after you've done your darndest to rash, to make sense of it all, if it's slow to make sense, then it's truly they're fucking stupid. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, don't dismiss it until you've, you know, extinguished all your options. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and and it's funny. I kind of enjoy, in a weird way, I enjoy evaluating whether I like a movie or not. I like the feelings that go on inside of me. I'm a fucking weirdo, Lee. But I enjoy... Kind no, of I totally, I totally understand that. You know, like, do I like this movie? And, like, I like the internal dialogue I have with myself where I'm like, uh, keep an open mind. Um, oh, that, like, I really like this and that, and, okay, where's this going? And I'm like, in, in a horror movie especially, like, I'm my eyes are wide open because I'm trying to look in the corners. I'm trying to look at photo albums and, and furniture, and I'm trying to look at, like, any fucking clue to, like, you know, a second storyline. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the whole time I'm doing that, and I kind of enjoy that process. Yeah, it's kind of like, I kind of do the same thing when I'm eating. Um, like, when I taste something that I don't like, I just think to myself, well, what, why don't I like it? What makes me not like it? And, like, do I really not like it, or do I just not like it a little bit? Or, like, can I tolerate it? And, like, what do I like about it, even though I don't like it overall and stuff like that? It's kind of the same thing. It's how you yeah. evaluate anything. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that you evaluate things more with your head, with your heart, or with your gut? Um, and 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 I know that's a weird I, metaphorical like, question, but yeah, I think it's the obvious combination of all of them. But I think the final thing that I process is with my head. Like regardless of what my my gut or my heart would say about it, I would probably finalize the decision with my reason. I see. Yeah, that makes sense. Um. Yeah, I'm wondering if, like, if maybe it's the first place somebody goes to, um, you know, like they're confronted with a decision or with a dilemma, um, and and the first place they go to, do they let their their kind of gut or their intuition lead them? You know what I mean? Um, like, mm-hmm. oh, I just have a sniffing feeling it's this, um, or or like I have a sense of what's right and what's wrong. 
and this just does not feel right. Um, like it could be like a relationship decision or, or like a career decision. Um, and some people might be faced with the same question and immediately, yeah, like go to their heart. Meaning like, I, and maybe I interpret that like what is going to make me feel happiest, what's going to like give me the most love or, or, or give me the most harmony with things around me. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And then maybe a third person would be confronted with the same question and they would kind of retreat back or in, and because of this is how I handle things, I would retreat back and kind of um try and separate myself from from the situation, like separate my emotions and my gut and go down some neurotic fucking wormhole of thought process, you know. Yeah, so I guess that's kind of the same thing. Like you retreat from the emotion to uh, to tackle it with your most powerful reasoning skills and separating yourself and just like, well, what, you know, what is from an outside perspective, what is the right answer? From my perspective, what's the right answer? And then from the other party's perspective, what's the right answer? If it's an altercation with someone else, and how do all these things intersect? And how do you, mm. how do you make them all work together? Yeah. Yeah, and to your point, like the healthy the healthy way to tackle any dilemma is by all of them, right? You consult your intuition, your gut, which might be a, a your collection of experiences and, and kind of your moral stance on things, and you consult your heart, um, which is, you know, kind of your your emotional and, and kind of well being and like your your place in the world. Uh, and then you consult your head and, and, and the logic and the 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 competence of something, you know, and then I guess the healthy person would would balance all that, right? Yeah, I think it's also important to realize that sometimes you might not ever know the right answer, and sometimes there is no right answer. Um, and regardless of what you do, um, sometimes the outcomes are out of your hands. Mm. Yeah, I really don't like the idea of there not being a right answer, but you're right. Yes. When you're when you're right, you're right. Um, speaking of, there so not being a right answer. Hmm? Oh yeah. I was gonna say, speaking of there not being a right answer, um, I I find myself arguing with my less informed friends um, about political and social issues, and uh, and their argument. Might boil sometimes a lot of times boils down to like well like nobody knows or like well you have experts saying one thing but there are these experts that say another thing and and who really knows and I have to like fucking re-educate these people and walk them step by step of like we um, when somebody goes into a field and learns more about a specific thing to the point where they get a PhD in society we recognize that that person knows more about that thing than other other people, and we should therefore trust those opinions more than people's opinions who didn't do that, right? And I just have to walk through this fucking simplest argument ever to these 35-year-old people who have degrees and are successful, but they just, they're politically uninformed and they're moderates, so they want to play devil's advocate. And when it comes to things like women's rights or gun control or they they're not against the environmental stuff but but it, they're they're unwillingly putting themselves in the same group as those people by being skeptics you know skeptics of 
of intellect and skeptics of science? Yeah, I mean the categories are so broad, and there's only two of them, so it makes it it makes it hard to not rub up with some people that you'd rather not rub up against, you know? <laughs> you mean there's only like two political spectrums or sides to the spectrum? Yeah, for for, for the most part. In the mainstream. Yeah. yeah, there's uh there's right and there's wrong. For sure. Yep. But um but yeah, like when it comes to climate control, like sure there's there's one percent of the climate scientists that say that climate change is not man made or that man made climate change isn't a real thing. But when you line up all the PhDs, you have ninety nine percent of them saying one thing, so it that's what you would call a consensus. And I probably said this on the pod before, but like social science is the same exact thing. It's objective data that's compiled over decades and analyzed and people go to school for twelve years and more or more for it. And when you line up all the people who study society, um, a large percent of them feel a certain way, like about, you know, how society should be ran. And those majority of people align with a certain party. You know this. I'm preaching to the choir. But anyway. Oh, yeah, of course. And I was just thinking, you know, um, I actually just posted on Facebook today about how all of the information that I acquired getting my bachelor's in psychology is now available on the Internet for free to anyone. Um, oh, I saw that, yeah. I, post. Yeah, yeah, so I kind of posed the question, like, where do we go from there, knowing that information, that everything that I know can be known by anybody. Um, and people were bringing up how just the fact that you went and got the degree is more powerful than just the knowledge because it just shows, it proves that you have all the knowledge. It's not just saying that you have all the knowledge. Um, and I was thinking, if you could theoretically pass every single test and exam that was given in the entire four-year courses of any given subject uh, without enrolling, and you showed that you could do that and like, actually did it, would, would that person still be as qualified um, in your eyes as the person who got the degree? Right. Yeah, that's a, that's a great – I think you're opening up a can of worms about kind of the, the for-profit um, educational system, like even a place like Penn State, which is a public university, obviously, like tons of people are are making money, and and so it's it's regulated in strange ways um, that allow them to charge ridiculous amounts of money for for things that that you're you know that are not worth that much money, <laughs> and now like just like in healthcare for free. Um, it is like the healthcare. You have you have kind of the gatekeepers, right? Um, you have the accre accreditation, or however you pronounce it. Um, you know, you have to get accredited, and that costs money, just like everything else in this world. And then, and then all of a sudden, you're just a part of this machine. Um, but yeah, that's a, a real interesting point. But um, like like those people said, the the piece of paper says that like we have proof that we took these classes and passed these courses. But you're essentially talking about like homeschooling your college and uh, that'd be pretty fantastic yeah mm -hmm. it's that uh, Bernie Sanders's wet dream yeah I mean where is it where where is this taking us where is education going to be 20 years from now yeah um, you know I think that people have I, I, I'm a as you know I'm a socialist and being a socialist means that that 
you believe that people are products of the environment and and socialists believe that you collectively um, try and try and adjust the systems that that we're all plugged into so that we can all have equal opportunities and and so I always and people traditionally think of socialism as something from the government because regulations are required for society to run and regulations like things that build highways and funding programs and you know the new deal stuff like social security those are all that's all socialism that's from the state and people think of that when they think of socialism but um you know, there's also employee stock ownership programs and labor unions which come to be because of regulation by law but labor unions people collective you know collectively come together and and collectively bargain and negotiate um Anyway, to make a long story short, I think people have such little faith in government these days. Maybe the answer for socialism is more, I mean, uh, as you know, I'm an optimist, but maybe the solution is more of like libertarian socialism, which is people coming together outside of the government and coming together and saying, like, we're going to collectively negotiate our rights, like like labor unions, like and um, everything from wages to health care. And I heard that, like, um, Amazon and Berkshire Hathaway and a couple other companies are like going to negotiate healthcare prices for themselves outside of the insurance system. Um, and this is, I think, yeah, they're trying to just negotiate their own prices for their own employees because they're like, ah, these four companies have thousands of employees and we just have billions of dollars of market cap. We can just throw our weight around to get cheaper drug prices for our people and preventative healthcare services, which will save our company money. The ultimate um, bulk buying. Yeah, yeah, it's just bulk. It's collectivism, and it's just and maybe that's maybe that's the future. Out, out outside of the government, people coming together like that. So the future is buying in bulk. Sam's Club had it right this whole time. Right. Um, I've mentioned on the pod before that Eva is the most ethical purchaser I've ever seen. Um, I, I recently found a, a shoe company that their factories in Poland and they make vegan sustainable shoes that I started to buy. But um, she, like, how much do they cost? Uh, the dress shoes are one twenty. Uh, the sneakers are ninety five bucks, which I just bought. So Ooh, like, really, just normal normal prices. Um, well, I got my shoes for thirty dollars at Payless. That's a little bit less. No, t- no, I t- I understand. But if you bought a pair, yeah, like yeah. what you know, if you're buying whatever Nike, you it's know. like a competing brand. No, yeah, I understand. Yeah. Um. So, anywho, if everybody on Earth bought that way for like a year, these companies would be forced. Like that's it would be a capitalist solution, so to speak. It'd be this collectivism. Uh, like we're forcing these companies out of like we could put companies out of business um, just like how we could put politicians out of office if we just collectivized you know it's like voting with our dollars so to speak well that was an example of a little technical difficulties we had so that's it for this episode of the unnecessary podcast My co-host, Lee, thanks you kindly. I, of course, thank you kindly. And y'all have a good one. We'll be back on the air soon. Yeah!